Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And we're back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, presented by Shira here on Phones and Music Today. Uh, beautiful morning out there, folks. We do have a couple lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. The clouds are rolling in. You know, looking at the mountains here in Sunny Slope, where I used to climb a lot, should go climb more now, uh, really getting beautiful out there. Per- perhaps, perhaps we'll get a real good monsoon today. You know, it's kind of early in the morning for the clouds now, so we'd love to see them. Uh, let's see, take our next caller. It looks like uh, Bobby in Phoenix. Hi, Bobby. Boy, am I on time here. Uh, blackberries, I've got three of them in a one-gallon mm-hmm. container. I've had them for a couple of months, water them morning and evening. Would now be a good time to plant what side of the yard and what kind of soil? Absolutely not. Thank you. Soil doesn't okay. matter because you're going to leave in the pots. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you'd want to plant them best, Bobby, probably in September, October. And the best okay. location for them is going to be with quite a bit of sun but not reflected heat. So on the south side would be good. Just out in the opens, okay. Yeah, but uh, they're going to not want reflected heat. So they won't work on the west side of a wall. They'll also do fine on the east side. Okay. So reflective heat, meaning... Keep them in a place where something doesn't bounce back at them. Well, not on the west side of a wall. I mean, especially. Okay, gotcha. So a north side would be okay with that. Uh, the fence is the one with the flats that are interwoven in there. Well, if, yeah, if it's, it's away from the house. I mean, the thing about it yeah, is. Yeah, it's that, away from the house. Yeah, okay, that'd be fine. Okay, and any kind of special soil or additive? You know, they're they're not very picky, you know, in places where blackberries are wild, like up in Oregon and Washington and a lot of the country. Yeah, or Texas. (laughs) Or Texas. I mean, they could be pretty much weeds. But, you know, they're fairly easy to grow here. And of all the berry-type plants, they're by far the easiest. And, And they'll thrive. They need regular irrigation. But other than that, they do well. Yeah, with watering like morning and night, because I know they like water. Well, they shouldn't need that, you know, in a container they might with light soil. But in the ground, no, you can water them, you know, get to where they're watered once a week heavy and they'll be fine. Gotcha, gotcha. Thank you, bunches. Thanks, Bobby. Bye-bye. Have a nice fourth. Bye. You too. Well, let's see. It looks like... uh Sure, it needs a little more attention, folks. We got four open lines. That's that's far too many. The number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven. KTR, give her a call. We'll talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it. If you're growing something different at home, we would love to hear from you. There's certain a lot of styles, a lot of ways to grow things, and uh, give us a call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven KTAR. TJ and Glendale. Good morning. Uh, hey, Brian, I, I was talking to you earlier. I was, I was heading up to Black Canyon City, and I lost a call. Yeah, you, kind of, you warned us, though, before we got started. I did, yeah, yeah. So anyhow, you're, um, I, I've had it probably like maybe four or five months. I've had it down. Mm-hmm. And I got the muriatic acid part you're talking about, but I was thinking well, there's like a, it looks like white. Oh, go ahead. If you've only had it four or five months, you shouldn't really have a, probably pearl scale unless there was an old lawn there before. So I, I wouldn't think that would be the problem. Okay, because it was kind of di- all kind of dirt, mm-hmm. and I just threw it down and watered the the, the pajivas out of it. Okay, and but now it's like like you said, it's got the yellow. It's really green most of it, but 
yellow, couple yellow spots, and then, like I said, it looks like there's like a, a white um, film on a little part of it. Well, white's usually when it's kind of dying, but, um, you know, it's, if it got dry in a spot or something like that, that would be like the death spot. Hmm. But um, and, right, and the right. yellowing could be, you know, the difference in soil underneath it. You know, you might have some soil okay. that drains better and some that doesn't drain as well. But uh, but, but it was super green for long for months. Well, that's be, months. that's like, because that's because it had ryegrass overseeded on top of it. Oh, okay, so what you what? saw that what okay. you saw that was super green wasn't the bob sod. It was the ryegrass growing on top, and that ryegrass should be you know pretty much dead by now. And what you've oh, probably oh, been from witnessing. The, from the, is the, from the heat, and so probably what right. you've been witnessing, TJ, is the ryegrass dying off. So oh, that's in the bob side. That's in, yeah, overseeding the bob side. So, yeah. So what you uh, have now uh, is just well, going to be bob sod. I put down right, but the bob side when 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 you buy sod here in the wintertime, okay, it's basically right. the bob side that was growing last summer. Then they come in September and they overseed it with ryegrass. And so if you buy at any time after September, between September and March, it's going to be overseeded. So what you're going to see when you plant your new sod, it's not the bob sod, it's the ryegrass. And that's going right. to grow taller and faster, especially more so than bob sod. So now what's happened is the ryegrass is dying off, and that's where you see the white patches and things. And okay. and the other parts, the bob sod is going to green up and grow. So it's in a transition mm. period. It's probably about through. So the other areas that, that are a little more yellow and things, if you'll just feed it, it'll, it'll probably all green up and fill in. Uh, okay, so I did put that down for my kitties. Now what do I tell the kitty? Well, tell it's going to grow. It's, it's, it'll come right back out. <laughs> give it time. Yeah, give it time, Jerry. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, TJ, have a nice trip up to Black Canyon hey, City. Hey, I'll, I'll swing in there and uh, say hey when I'm working in that area. All right. He sounds great. Thanks, TJ. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. Okay, all right. Bye. bye. Uh, Mark and Chandler. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. You're often inviting callers to call in with tips and tricks and ideas that they use. Um, a bug killer, and I'll call it a contact killer, is um, Dawn soap, two tablespoons with a quart of water in a spray bottle. You can use it on, on, any, on almost any insect that's uh, crawling around your garage. It's nice and clean. If you want to squirt it because it's up on a wall, all you're spraying is uh, soap and water, and it, uh, it drowns them, and they die near instantly. You know, Mark, and that's a really good tip. And the other thing that is with that Dawn soap like that, and if you want your other insecticides, if you're using a chemical one to work better, if you add a little bit of soap to it, it's a surfactant and helps suffocate them. And it makes other insecticides work better as well. But it's just so cool because you keep a bottle of this in your garage. It's always there. You see something crawling on the floor and on the wall. Nothing to clean up afterward other than the bug. <laughs> and it's, I'm suffocating, I'm suffocating. <laughs> and it works near instantly. Well, thanks thanks for the pointer, Mark, and have a nice uh, 4th of July. You also, everybody out there. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Lucy in Phoenix. Good morning, Lucy. Good morning. I have a problem with bougainvillea that are supposed to grow anywhere and do anything. I live on 7th Avenue on the east side just north of camelback and i had snail vines for several years and when the city tore up seventh avenue they tore up my sprinkler system and really made a mess so i put in bougainvillea last fall and they did well i have three that are in large pots that are doing very very well but mine that are in the ground just are not 
I mean, the leaves are dropping. They're, you know, they're not flowering. And you had those on the west side of the wall right along the street, right? You have the concrete, the yeah. sidewalk there right yeah. in between the... I remember when you used to have the snow vine. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I love my. I, I, I live at 7th Avenue in Glendale, so I've, I, you know, I drive down 7th Avenue quite a bit. What variety of bug, what color bug and bees do you have? They're Barbara Karst. Yeah, so that should be one of the hardiest ones. And there's. And I put a stoker hose in there, so, mm-hmm. and I run that stoker hose. I mean, it's very, very fine stoker hose, but I run it like seven hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And how often? And, like twice a week or once a week? Yes. Yeah, twi- twice a week would probably be ideal there because of the heat. You know, you're just going to dry out faster. Have you fertilized it all? Um, I did probably in January. Well, I, I would feed them again, and you could feed them again right now. Are they just kind of okay. yellow and not growing? No, they're just the leaves. The leaves are tiny. They're just they're just not doing well. The ones in pots are magnificent because I have a sewer clean out and I have another that I can't have. I can't dig in the ground there. Mm-hmm. Has But nobody's ever used any chemicals there, have they? No, I don't use chemicals. Yeah. Um, Unless the city, God only knows. Well, I, and I, would, I wouldn't think they would right there because there's really not much else they're going to be spraying. I mean, they don't have any city right away going along there that be spraying. Oh, yes. They just were in the city sewer, but they didn't, they weren't over this far. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't, it, it doesn't look like there's any, uh, like I say, if it had been a chemical, they would have hit those pots too. But okay. um, it's, well, the, the, the it's best thing weird. to try would be because it might be the so soil fertilized. wasn't very good. Is a light shot of fertilizer, and you might at the same okay. time throw a little gypsum around them too. And not that okay, they would that normally need it, but uh, you know, yours are living in a pretty tough spot right there. That's oh yeah, well that's, that's you know <laughs> I I put them on trellises out from the house, so mm-hmm. they're not. I know they get the reflection, but they're not right on the house. But mm-hmm. it's my only barrier for the car speeding sure. down the road and for. You know, whatever other crap that comes along. So. Well, tr- try a little gypsum and a little bit of fertilizer. You can feed them lightly once a month, or you can throw, like, some Osmocote around them, and it'll last for a few months. I did. When I put them in, I they all got Osmocote, but it's time for more, I'm yeah, sure. It, it typically but. lasts about 45 to 60 days here in the summertime. Okay. All right. I'll go right out there now. Thank you so much. Have fun, Lucy. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, we're going to take a short break while we're gone. We do have three lines open. We have Shira back here smiling. Give her a call. Number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Some have said down through history, if you last, it's a mystery, but I guess they don't know what they're talking about. From the mountains down to the sea, you become such a habit with me, America, America. Well, I come from down round Tennessee, but the people in California are nice to me. American miracle. It don't matter where I may roam, tell you people 
That it's home sweet home America America And my brothers Are all black and white Yellow too And the red man is right To expect a little from you Promise and then follow through America All the men Who fell on the plains And who lived Through hardship and pain America America And the men Who could not fight In a war That didn't seem right You let them come home America Welcome back, folks, this beautiful Sunday morning. These clouds are really building, and, you know, we're putting the, the pressure on Shira here because we're going to see if she can make it rain every week. <laughs> Anyway, welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, where we do have three lines open. The number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven KTAR. Gary and Tollerson. Good morning, Gary. Hey, um, Brian. Hi, Jerry. <clears throat> hi, hi. Um, say, uh, this guy that said soap is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my go-to is. Uh, Malathion. Mm-hmm. Uh, this spring, we had some thrip and stuff on my grapes, and I sprayed it with Malathion just lightly just to get the odor in there. I didn't have to spray the whole uh, vine, you know, everything. And so the thrips have left, and... For the first time, I have not been plagued with the skeletonizers. Well, I think I think um, that must be due, Jerry, just to good living. You know, <laughs> I, I I don't I don't think that that malathion is going to keep the the skeletonizers away very long. But um, you know, good living well, can. You I don't know. have any other answer. Well, good living, good fortune, you know, and uh, you know, sometimes in life we're just blessed, you know. <laughs> you know, we haven't any yeah. knock on wood, and now I shouldn't say anything, but we haven't had any skeletonizers on our grapes yet this year either. And um, okay, so I you know, but, about that too. But if, plenty uh, of people around first. town have you know, and if, if you want to treat those for the those listening, uh, you know, BT is the way to get rid of those. But um, yeah, no, we have we yeah. haven't had many problems with the grapes this season either. Hey, uh, we don't do any spraying, you know, like pest control people. They want to come in, and we had ticks, mm-hmm. dog ticks, very badly, and. Uh, and you recommended that uh, those chews that makes the dogs toxic to, to the ticks. Dog yeah, tick. okay. It's systemic. I didn't think I wanted to do it, but and finally I did it. And by golly, we have no ticks, zero. Well, you know, those, it's funny. Dale Deal from Deal's uh, out there in the west side of town. Dale's been around Arizona forever, and he's a guy that we rely on to buy a lot of our our fertilizers and different things at times. Yeah. And uh, Dale 
you know, clued me into that. What, and of course, all the vets around town all know that. But you know, for all the misery and problems we had with ticks in my life, uh, that is the easiest cure. And you know, whether oh. you want to treat your dogs or not, whenever you have a tick problem and have to get rid of it, I have never seen a way to eliminate ticks like that. I mean, the, you know, of course, the ticks are attracted to the dog, but as soon as they bite the dog, they're gone. They don't reproduce. The dog's not scratching and itching. The ticks are all gone. And uh, that has just been wonderful. Well, Jared, they disappeared completely. They were all over the patio. And then, you know, oh, and, and, and there's out. nothing more miserable than ticks. I mean, they're, they're, so the, they're, they're even, the only thing worse than know, rats. We saved, we saved $300 for the pest control said that they would need to do to get rid of the ticks. So, well, uh, you know, $30 for the medicine. And, yeah. Well, and then the animals are so much happier. Jerry, have a nice weekend, and thanks for the hey, call. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th to you. Appreciate you being our friend. Bye-bye. Uh, Neil and Scottsdale. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for having your show. You give lots of useful information. I've got a couple problems. The first one is I've got a black mission fig. For some reason... About half of the leaves just turn brown and are falling off. Or actually, they turn yellow, just like in fall, and are falling off. Neil, how old's the tree? Uh, it's probably five to eight years old. So fair, fairly young. Um, how are you watering it? It's on a drip system. It gets um, deep watering actually twice a week. Okay. And then I give it, like, 30 minutes every morning yeah you're, you're probably building up more salts than you need to what i would do it shouldn't need to be watered that often okay so on your drip system if you're running even once a week on a tree that size but what i would do first is leach the salts out so i just take a hose and throw on it and, and leach all the salts out away from the tree and at the same time you can give it a light dose of a balanced fertilizer like if you had some miracle grow or 202020 or one of those guys just a real light dose you know like the little scoopers from miracle grow even though the tree's pretty big like two or three of those little scoopers in a five-gallon bucket of water. So it's just got a little bit of nitrogen to replace what you leach out. I think you'll find out it'll do better. And, uh, you know, watering cycle, that that's kind of staying too wet, so you can have fungus and different problems. And really, plants like to dry out, but they like for the salts to be leached down in a way. Um, where are you located in Scottsdale, Neil? Uh, Joe Max and 56th Street. Joe Max. Okay, so you're up north and you got more granity soil, so it should drain pretty well. So, you know, you might even leave your two, you know, twice a week irrigation system on if you want to, but don't give it the extra water in between. Let it dry out in between. Okay, and then I have a similar situation on the rose bush. The leaves are just, they're turning brown. Well, a lot of that's just the heat, you know, and, and if, is it a new rose bush? This one's probably only about a year old. Yeah, it's, it's just probably been, been put in a year ago. So leach it out, you know, really watering twice a week's often enough for a rose bush as well. And if it's looking terrible, you can even throw a piece of little shade cloth or something over it until the fall uh, when it can come back out. Uh, it's a rough time of year for roses, especially younger ones. Okay. And your advice about putting steer manure on the fig trees. That's for it January. It's yeah. great. Yeah, that's for January. Now, the problem I have is the birds. Mm-hmm. Do you know if hanging those shiny CDs on the tree will keep the birds away? I, I think the only way to keep the birds away is to net them. 
And so you have to keep the net up off the tree so it doesn't grow right through it. Or lead poisoning. Okay. I netted the trees, but the birds keep getting caught in the net. Well, and they and they and they can, you know, and that that's kind of the problem. And you know, it's like I've got one different variety fig. I'm not even sure what it is. It's a later one, and uh, the birds and I are both watching it. We're going to see who's going to get the figs first. <laughs> but well, we uh, go out every morning and check them. But it's frustrating when you go out and half of the right figs have already been picked off. Well, and the birds have all day. When you pick them early, they never ripen to the same qualities. They ripen on the on the tree. Um, but really, if you if you had a way to suspend the bird net up over it, um, you know, and the problem is the birds get, you know, they get tangled in a lot of different kinds of netting. And, uh, and you don't want to shade it too much, so you need a fairly open net, too. So it, it gets to be kind of tough. But as far as is deterring the birds, unless you had something that was mobile and moving, if you had like a little owl or a little uh, hawk kind of, you know, guy that was, that was actually mobile somehow, uh, you know, I, there's probably, if you could look for them now, I bet you could find solar-powered uh, mobile birds to scare birds. If not, you should patent it. But if you had like a little, you know, mini falcon or if you had a little owl that would, you know, go in there that would move, if they're, if they're moving, you know, the stationary ones they get used to really quick. But if you had something in there that was moving, um, you know, that would probably deter them. No, look and see if I can find one of those. Well, Neil, have a, have a nice weekend. Thanks for the call and happy 4th of July. For you too. Take care. Bye bye, sir. Uh, Larry and Mesa. Good morning, Larry. Come on, Brian. Uh, sure enjoy your show. I listen to it all the time. I have uh, two questions for you. The first one would be, I have uh, four um, uh, mature citrus uh, na- uh, navel trees. Uh, I have one tree that um, at the beginning of the new foliage coming out a few months ago, uh, it looked like it was uh, the leaves were kind of curling, and now I'm starting to get some dead branches in the tree where I've never had before. The other three trees seem to be just fine, but this tree seems to be suffering a little bit. Um, you know, thrip get on them, and they get on all of them. But if you're having a problem with one, like it's, and you say this is an old tree, like 20, 30, 40 years old? It's, it's probably probably 35 to 40 years old. Okay. Have you been fertilizing at all? I've just been just throwing on a little bit of nitrogen mm-hmm. and and a little bit of uh, just kind of uh, the fertilizer I use for my lawn. But I... Uh, once in a while, I, I had I had some leftover um, citrus food that I've used, but I haven't used that for like a year. Well, you know, the citrus food, the only advantage to most citrus foods is going to have more sulfur and more iron. You know, in 21714 lawn fertilizer, a lot of that's got a fair bit of you know, iron and sulfur in it, too. So if you just check the label, you know, just because it says it's for lawn doesn't mean it wouldn't be good for citrus. But what I would do with that one is now that the humidity's come up, I would fertilize it lightly now once a month and see if you can't generate some more foliage out this summer. Um, you know, the citrus kind of take a whacking whenever it's 115 and dry like it was last month. But with the more humidity right now, you know, it could come out a little bit better. How do you water it, Larry? Uh, irrigation. Flood irrigation just on an old mm-hmm. cycle. You might uh, try two things. and Just basically as a preventative in case you end up having some fungus in there, which could be different from tree to tree. There's a product called Monterey Disease Control, and it's basically a back that eats fungus, and you could put that around the tree. You could also dig up some of the roots in the tree and see if they're mushy or if they're hard and white and growing, and, and that would tell you maybe whether you had a fungus or not, or look for any sap bleeding out of any of the wood anywhere. But, okay. you know, it might be easier than doing all those things just to pick up a little bottle of Monterey Disease Control and mix it in a five-gallon bucket and pour it under the tree when you irrigate, 
and it goes into the ground. If you do have fungus, it's pretty good at killing it. It's a bacteria that eats fungus. But I would do that, fertilize it, and maybe add one or two irrigations over the next couple months in between with a hose and, and see if you can get it to recover. It's pretty hard to overwater an older citrus tree in the summertime. It's really okay. bad in the wintertime, especially in a lot of the heavier soils in Mesa. But you can add irrigations to it with a hose, you know, once in between or so. Keep it a little wet. Right, and, and, and that's what I usually do because I notice it getting pretty dry in about the and about uh, seven days later, and I'll, I'll put some water on it then as well. Okay. Well, I would try the fertilizer, a little Monterey disease control, and that should help you out. Hey, I've got to let okay. you go, Larry. We've got a hard break. Happy Fourth of July. Hey, Sam, you. Thank you, Brian. See Bye-bye. you there. Bye-bye. And we do have a couple calls or a couple lines available for, for Shira. The number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven. 602-277-5827. And now we're going to find out what's happening at the Whitfield National Garden Show from Patricia Valencia from the News Department. And here live Sunday morning in the studio. Stop midnight tea top jack in a cherry coke town. Mama and daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car broke down. Yellow dog school bus, kicking up red bus, kicking us up by barbed wire fence. MTV on the RCA, no AC in the vents. We were Jesus, Sammy, blue jean baby, born in the USA. Trailer park truck stop, fade a little map dots, New York to LA. We were teenage dreaming, front seat leaning, baby, come give me a kiss. Put me on the cover of the Rolling Stone Uptown, down home, American kids. Growing up in little pink houses, making out on living room couches, blowing that smoke on Saturday night. A little messed up, but we're all alright. Well, I thought that song was just fitting for the July 4th weekend. Um, and it's also one of my mother's favorites. So, yeah, that was American Kids by Kenny Chesney. Well, Miss Sarah, congratulations on your first song of the year. And it's a wonderful one. Uh, welcome back, folks. And, uh, you know, she was pretty wonderful here. Anyway, we do have a line open, so you can give her a call at 602-277-5827. Next up, we have Barbara in Surprise. Hi, Barbara. Hi, um, I have a strange question. Mm-hmm. I was visiting my daughter in Paradise Valley and uh, the Aviano area, and they have an infestation of black beetles. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, Google says that they're going to bother your garden, but do they bother trees or is there anything they need to watch out for? You know, there's, there's really not a lot of insects here that are going to be problematic for most of our desert and natural trees here. And while we do get insects on other kinds of plants, you know, there's not much that's really lethal going to be a long-term problem. So I wouldn't be very concerned. You know, nature has a way of cycling things in and out. And for the most part, you know, usually fixes and does a pretty good job. Okay, you just should just see their house, though, full of beetles. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they could try some of the Dawn soap, and actually it would suffocate them. Or, 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 or if they're real hillbillies, they could take some Copenhagen and mix it with the Dawn soap and spray that on them. Boy, that would make them go crazy. But, no, I mean, you, you, Wait, can, you said, what did you say, Dawn soap and what else? A Copenhagen chewing tobacco. 
Oh, no, no, no. Well, you know, when we're playing Kenny Chesney songs, you know, we got to get a little, you know, back road kind of song, you know, but, but no, I mean, that will kill them too. You know, nicotine's very, pop, you know, very poisonous. Or you could use the malathion, but, you know, realistically, they'll probably cycle right out and I wouldn't be too concerned. Okay, super. Thanks. Thanks, Barbara. Bye bye. Uh, next up, we've got Grant and Surprise. Good morning, Grant. Hey, good morning. Forgive me, I joined the uh, call a little late. I was going to ask Lantana, can I cut those back to sticks right now, or is it... Uh, Absolutely, Grant. You know, no, go ahead. You know, what they, what they do with a lot of the commercial projects is they'll cut back half one month and half the next. So uh, that way they always have some that are looking good. And if that works for, you know, your property, that can work fine, too. But uh, you can cut them back any time of the year. You know, when you cut them back in the summertime, they come back faster because it's hot. So days are longer. Okay. Longer. How how long will it take them to to come back? Generally, they- oh, about two or three weeks back to blooming. I mean, if you're going to cut them way back oh, okay. where you take the foliage yeah. off, it'll, but if you cut them back more moderately and leave some foliage on them, then you'll have blooms again probably in two weeks or less. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Thank you, my friend. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Grant. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Ellen in Sun City West. Good morning, Ellen. Good morning, Brian. Uh, I am looking out of my back porch at a completely dead uh, Cape honeysuckle. And it died in about three weeks. Died very quickly. It's, there's a lot. It's along a back wall. And uh, it's with a lot of other Cape honeysuckles and uh, fairy dusters and hibiscus. Everybody else is doing just fine. This one just died this was an older plant uh, it's an older plant and i i put uh monterey disease control on it when it first started looking kind of funky because i thought uh-oh i wonder if i've got fungus which i have had in the past and it didn't affect it it just kept on going do you have any gophers ellen uh no no gophers okay because it's yeah, Cape honeysuckles don't like it when it's real hot, especially in June. But uh, yeah. you know, once they're established, they'll usually you know push and persevere, persevere, yeah, persevere, and go go yeah. through it, you know, and go through the heat. But um, I, you know, other than that, and it could be a fungus if it dies fast like that. That would be unusual, though. Usually, the funguses show up more like in August. You know, that would be kind of early. Yeah, that's when um, I had it before. Yeah, and that's and that's fairly common. But uh, I, I can't think of what else would have killed it. If you pull it out and the roots are all gone, you know, kind of mushy, uh, that's, uh-huh. how, that's how you could tell that it, you know, died from a fungus. They'll be gone. The roots will okay. be melted. But uh, I wouldn't try and replace it until October. Okay. I will. I, well, that was going to be my second question, actually. I'll just, I'm going to have, have, have our guy come and pull it out and then just let everything sit and then uh, put something else in maybe that's a little more resistant to fungus. Yeah, if you wanted to blend something else in, you certainly could. You know, if you wanted to throw like a Yellow Bells or something like that in there, an Orange Jubilee or something there now, you can do that. But if you want to put okay. a honeysuckle back in there, wait till October. Okay. All right. Good. Thank you. And Excellent. I have one other question. I have a, a Western Ash that's been in for quite a while. It never lost its leaves this past winter. And uh, now I'm noticing the bark is cracking. What am I, well, I as, doing? Well, as they get larger, the bark will start to crack as they as they get you know more mature trunks. And is it down okay. down low, down around the base, or up on the? It's top? about halfway up. It's okay. not. It, it's the tree isn't that tall yet, mm-hmm. but it's about halfway up. And it's it's uh, oh, it was a 24 inch box when we put it in. I put in, but it's not that big yet. Yeah, the leaves so, are also pretty green, but. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I wouldn't be concerned. As as they get older, they'll crack and split, and the bark will grow as it expands, and that's not a problem. Okay. Okay. All that's right. So. Well, we'll stay away from the honeysuckle. Thanks, Brian. Have happy, a happy fourth. Okay? You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTR. In the meantime, we've got a couple lines open. You can call Shira at 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Standing by the road With a heavy load The sold And if you see your sister Falling by the way Just stop and say You're going the wrong way well, You've got to try A little kindness It's your kindness And let's shine your light For everyone to see Sunday morning. I want to take a minute to invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow all kinds of trees. Started by my grandparents here back in the 40s, continuing today for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, come out and see us from 15-gallon to big 72-inch box. And it's a great time of year to plant things like mesquites, palo verdes, and ironwoods. Good time for palm trees of all kinds, whether you want the tropical-looking mule palms, desert palms that we think of our native one, the California fan palm, Mexican fan palms, Bismarckia palms from Biz from Bismarckia. Yes, they are from Madagascar, and we have a lot of other funds like like Mexican blue palm, probably the hardiest palm tree you can plant here. Mediterranean fans, all kinds of. Where do you want to plant palm trees, desert trees, or? Fruitless olive trees or citrus. Now is a good time to plant. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue. And we're actually going to be closed on the 4th of July this year. So, um, yep, we won't be there on Monday, but we will be there today from 10 to 4, Monday through Saturdays, normally from 8 to 530. We'll be closed on the 4th of July. Okay, we've got four extra lines open. And you got a few minutes to get in and get a call, so uh, you can give a call to Shira at 602-277-5827. Questions, suggestions, or ideas, and uh, we'll get you on the air. Next up, we have Richard in Phoenix. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Brian. Um, happy 4th. Um, 
I've got a couple of questions. I have a my backyard faces south, and I have a spot that's about six or seven feet um, off of a west-facing wall, and I want to either put in a pindle palm or a pygmy date palm. Um, the pindle palm I would have to move. It's only been in about eight or nine months. Um, so it could be moved. Do you have a, should I have, do I have a preference there? Well, so it's going to be on the west side of the wall or the east side of the wall? It's going to be on the west side of the wall. So it's going to be hard on a pendo or a pygmy this time of year. Um, okay. You know, if you're going to buy a new pygmy, I would wait and plant one there in October, November, and it'll probably do fine. Um, but, you know, for those types of more tropical palms, well, the, the pindo is really not. The pindo comes from, you know, down in Madagascar. And it's a, the one that we have is kind of cool at the nursery now. We have mule palms, which are crossed between a pindo and a queen, but they're a lot greener, more of a coconut kind of a look. And, and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll actually take more heat, too. But um, other than a Mexican fan, California fan, Mexican blue, you know, Bismarck, all those would be fine in that location planned this time of year. But if you want a smaller palm and you want to plant a pygmy there, I would wait and plant it in September. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm also going to be redoing my uh, my drip system, and I want to know what your preference would be. Um, uh, do, you, uh, the, do you plug the... Uh, uh, like a one or two or five gallon emitter into the half inch line and run the spaghetti over to the plant, or do you put in a a connector right into the half inch line and put the uh, the uh, variable emitter on the end of the spaghetti and then lay it by the plant? Well, see, I'm kind of a doubting Thomas, and you know we have to go check like on our citrus grove where we have you know, oh we've got over thirty thousand trees growing on drip irrigation there. And we use the emitters that are out at the end of the line, and we actually have somebody with, by like every other irrigation, just go by every emitter and check them. Because if one of those gets plugged and we don't catch it for two or three weeks, or you know, or if we have a coyote come rip one out or a rabbit chew one in two, then then we lose our water to our trees. So we like them on the outside. There's a lot of people that install them both ways. And my friends over at Sprinkler World, like Tim and Dick over at Sprinkler World, especially Tim says, I can't believe you like those emitters like that. But with pretty good quality water, we use the 10-gallon-per-hour adjustable emitters uh, at the end of the line, and we have like two of those per tree. And and we have very good success with them. Okay. Okay, because I've got a mixture of both in my yard, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you're right about the, uh, I mean, the emitter on the end, is, first of all, it's adjustable, so with the other ones, you're stuck with one, two, or five-gallon um, output, but with a variable one, you get up to what, 10 gallons Up to 10 hour. gallons per hour. You know, and the thing about it is, you know, we have to check them. You know, it's, it's our livelihood, we grow these trees on drip, so we're out checking them, so that's why we do it. Richard, have a nice 4th of July. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Ron in North Phoenix, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, my question is, I got about 300 linear feet of chain link fence, and I'd like to put in some shrubbery to act as a, a barrier of privacy. Mm-hmm. And what would you recommend? Well, if you just want to cover it, you don't care too much. I mean, cat's claw would be the fastest. You can put cat's claw vine. It'll go right through the fence. It'll become a solid hedge, and you're done. Um, there's a lot of things you can put in for different reasons, maybe more color, more beauty, or if you want something that's less penetrable. So you could grow bougainvilleas on it, and nobody will ever come through it, and it'll still have right. a lot of color and flowers. Or you could grow something like yellow bells and you know all the different types of orange Tacomas, and all those guys will all work fine, too. So 
So it's going to be to a certain point up to you. And uh, but the very easiest to be cat's claw, the most you know really pretty if you're going to do the maintenance on it, and and for security would be bougainvillea. How about hot seed? You can grow hop seed. It's just going to be a screen plant. It doesn't matter whether the fence is there or not, but it will grow up into a nice screen, and it will grow fast and be fairly inexpensive. Or if you want a really cool long-term plant, you could plant these hedge olives, and the olive trees um, basically grow into a solid hedge, and once they're established, don't take much water. And uh, you know that would work, too. Or the other old thing we used to use a lot of were sour orange. And sour orange are one of them back on the impenetrable you know phase where you can't go through them. So all those that work... Hop seed's probably one of the least expensive and fastest to grow. Thank you. Thank you. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Be an angel. It looks like we're going to... Well, you know, I'm really not going to get all you guys on the air today, but I will take all the calls off the air. You know, I'm going to do something. I usually save the last couple of minutes for me to do a little president presentation, talk about some different things. But for today's show, you know, in light of the fact it's the 4th of July, I'm going to let our 40th president, uh, you know, a two-termer, an ex-governor, uh, once a union man, you know, it's quite, quite a different kind of person our 40th president was, but uh, respected by all, and a man who certainly lived lived his life with a dream and the heart and the spirit of being a good American and uh, did his best always to portray uh, in his mind and his heart, you know, what his thoughts were right to be a good American. And, you know, that's the best part about this country is we can have different kind of ideas and hopefully we can learn back again to meet in the middle. But uh, I'm going to let let go right now. We're going to listen to our 40th president in the program. We'll be back with you next week. Enjoy your 4th of July. Hope you enjoyed the program today. And and I want to say a special thanks to Shira. She did a fantastic job. I think she's going to be our new uh, weekend helper here and the music person and on the phones. And she did great. We'll be right back next week with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Since this is the last speech that I will give as president, I think it's fitting to leave one final thought. An observation about a country which I love. It was stated best in a letter I received not long ago. A man wrote me and said... You can go to live in France, but you cannot become a Frenchman. You can go to live in Germany or Turkey or Japan, but you cannot become a German, a Turk, or Japanese. But anyone from any corner of the earth can come to live in America and become an American. Yes, the torch of Lady Liberty symbolizes our freedom and represents our heritage, the compact with our parents, our grandparents, and our ancestors. It is that lady who gives us our great and special place in the world. For it's the great life force of each generation of new Americans that guarantees that America's triumph shall continue unsurpassed into the next century and beyond. Other countries may seek to compete with us, but in one vital area, as a beacon of freedom and opportunity that draws the people of the world, no country on earth comes close. This, I believe, is one of the most important sources of America's greatness. We lead the world because, unique among nations, we draw our people, our strength, from every country and every corner of the world. And by doing so, we continuously renew and enrich our nation. While other countries cling to the stale past here in America, we breathe life into dreams we create the future and the world follows us into tomorrow thanks to each wave of new arrivals to this land of opportunity 
We're a nation forever young, forever bursting with energy and new ideas, and always on the cutting edge, always leading the world to the next frontier. This quality is vital to our future as a nation. If we ever closed the door to new Americans, our leadership in the world would soon be lost. A number of years ago, an American student traveling in Europe took an East German ship across the Baltic Sea. One of the ship's crew members from East Germany, a man in his 60s, struck up a conversation with the American student. After a while, the student asked the man how he had learned such good English, and the man explained that he had once lived in America. He said that for over a year he'd worked as a farmer in Oklahoma and California, that he'd planted tomatoes and picked ripe melons. It was, the man said, the happiest time of his life. Well, the student, who'd seen the awful conditions behind the Iron Curtain, blurted out the question, well, why did you ever leave? I had to, he said. The war ended. The man had been in America as a German prisoner of war. Now, I don't tell this story to make the case for former POWs. Instead, I tell this story just to remind you of the magical, intoxicating power of America. May, we may sometimes forget it, but others do not. Even a man from a country at war with the United States, while held here as a prisoner, could fall in love with us. Those who become American citizens love this country even more. And that's why the Statue of Liberty lifts her lamp to welcome them to the golden door. It is bold men and women yearning for freedom and opportunity who leave their homelands and come to a new country to start their lives over. They believe in the American dream, and over and over they make it come true for themselves, for their children, and for others. They give more than they receive, they labor and succeed, and often they are entrepreneurs. But their greatest contribution is more than economic, because they understand in a special way how glorious it is to be an American. They renew our pride and gratitude in the United States of America, the greatest, freest nation in the world, the last best hope of man on earth.